Hello, everybody. Hello. Right, it's time for Brett Binchleaf Chapter 3. The plot so far. Brett Binchleaf is working undercover at a school for boys mm. because a spooky ghost had asked him to solve its murder. Yeah. So far, Gret has... One, tied the new history master, Christopher Pantington, to a tree and taken his place. Mm. Two, proved unexpectedly popular with the schoolboys by not bothering to teach history, but instead reading to them from his old case books. Like Gret Binchleaf and the Adventure of the Cheesy Twit. <laughs> or Gret Binchleaf and the Adventure of the Corrugated Dog. <laughs> <laughs> and three made absolutely no progress in the case whatsoever. Mm. At the end of chapter two, Christopher Pantington's head turned up to haunt Gret, and Pantington knew who the murderer was because he saw. Mm. Unfortunately, Gret is self-defeatingly stubborn and too arrogant to accept help from floating heads. So he refused to listen to Christopher's story and instead stuck his fingers in his ears and sang a song about ponies. Is that what happened? Yeah, this well, this, this is actually a bit of time has passed between chapters that you don't get to see. I see, yeah. Since then, mm -hmm. that's since um, Christopher Panting's head turned up, yeah. since then, three weeks have passed. Whoa. And Gret has learned nothing <laughs> except that he quite likes being a teacher, perhaps even more than being a crap detective. Mm. So now, gentle listener, come with us on a journey to find out if Gret detects anything at all in Gret Binchleaf and the Adventure of the Complicated Head, Chapter 3, The Adventure of the Unusual Hat. The Continuing Adventures of Gret Binchleaf, the soft-boiled private dick with a crippling fear of pies. It was a sorrowful day in November, and the air was cold and crisp. But crisp as in fresh, <laughs> not crisp as in salt and vinegar. <laughs> now, that joke only works in British English, so here it is again for our American <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it was a sorrowful day in November, and the air was cold and chip. <laughs> but chip as in fresh... Not, not chip as in salt and vinegar. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's my favourite great bench thing ever. In the corner of the playground, a crowd of boys surrounded Wally Cocklemouth, who was waving his fists at a younger boy. Say it again, you rotter, demanded Cocklemouth. Say that about my mummy again, I dare you. The smaller boy looked scared, tears already in his eyes. But I didn't say anything about your mummy. <laughs> He exclaimed. <laughs> he did, you know, said Gret Binchleaf. How how bad can Gret get? Uh, I thought you took him pretty far, but I reckon I can take him further. What was a throwaway? <laughs> what was just a throwaway joke? But no, it's just his character now. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. He did, you know. Yeah. <laughs> said Gret Binchleaf, whispering into Wally Cocklemouth's ear. He said your mum's an ugly old bag of dog sick who likes sucking on donkey penises. <laughs> Over the past three weeks, Gret had discovered that a bit of old-fashioned bullying really took his mind <laughs> off the two floating ghost heads that followed him everywhere. Yeah. I'll punch your face off, Cocklemouth shouted. 
But before he had the chance to administer a single fisting, a voice rang out across the playground. You, boys, stop that at once! The crowd began immediately to disperse, and Gret saw another teacher walking towards them. Gret had been having trouble remembering his colleagues' names, as they were all middle-aged white men with balding heads and skin like ham. So he was relieved to see that this new arrival was the exact opposite. An elderly Chinese woman with long grey hair and skin like a well-roasted chicken. Christopher Pantington's floating head chuckled. You're in trouble now, Pinchloof. Sharp, you dead idiot, Gret replied. What in the name of heaven's lavatory are you boys doing? Are you bumming? Miss, miss, said Wally Cocklemouth. We were fighting, miss, because Mr Crispy Pants told me that Peter said that my mum's an ugly old bag of... Shut your face, Cocklemouth, Gret interrupted. Now, you two, go to my classroom and write a hundred times, Gret Binchleaf has an unusually long meat banana. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, Mr Crispy Pants. I didn't realise you were dealing with the situation. The two boys ran off across the playground, and Gret realised that, despite the woman's unique features, he still couldn't remember her name. Mm. What's your name again? Gret asked, searching his mind for the answer. Woman... twit... (laughs) My family name is Wu, she said. But when I got married, my husband and I combined our names. So now, my surname is Proctor Wu. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs Proctor Wu. Professor Proctor Wu. (laughs) She teaches religious studies and Latin, said Christopher Pantington's head. Religious studies? Gret's detective sense was tingling. Mm -hmm. You probably know about ghosts and stuff then. Well, it's not exactly a part of the syllabus, but I have to admit to a keen interest in the supernatural. I own a somewhat comprehensive library of tomes on the transcendental. Mm. Was that a yes or a no? (laughs) It was a yes... I have a particular interest in the numinous, a personal passion for the paranormal, if you will. Look, do you mind speaking English? (laughs) I don't speak Latin, I don't speak Chinese, and I don't speak Pillock. But I was speaking English. You what? Gret was so confused that he forgot what horses were. He only had a finite quantity of space in his brain, and for every new feeling or fact that found its way in, something had to be sacrificed. Maybe it's your Chinese accent I'm having trouble with. Can you speak like less of a twit, please? (laughs) I have lived in England since I was three years old. Yeah, all right, I didn't ask for your life story. (laughs) I need your help. I'm being haunted by two ghost heads that no one else can see. You can see ghosts. Just the heads, said Gret, scowling at Tony Leg and Chris Pants. But why me and no one else? Well, said Professor Proctor Wu. <laughs> Gazing across the playground thoughtfully. As far as I'm aware, Mr Crispy Pants. <laughs> you see, the thing is, because I realised when I read your chapter yeah. that he didn't know Christopher Pannington's mm, name yeah. and introduced himself as Mr Crispy Pants, mm. so therefore... Everyone mustn't think that's his name. Mm-hmm. So anyone who re- refers to him by his pseudonym is going to have to say Crispy Pants. So that's now his name. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm aware, Mr. Crispy Pants, there are only three ways to become capable of seeing wandering spirits. Firstly, you can grow a head periscope. Do you have a head periscope hidden under that hat of yours? She pointed at Gret's trusty fedora, and Gret wondered why everyone he met seemed to be an absolute chunderhead. <laughs> What's number two? he asked impatiently. 
Well, you can eat a spooky flan. <laughs> eat a spooky flan? <laughs> yes, from Susie Chan's spooky flan shop. Have you eaten one of Susie Chan's spooky flans recently? No, I don't eat flans, said Gret. Mm -hmm. A pie by any other name is still a pie. Mm. Well, that just leaves method number three then, said the professor. A magical hat. Oh. It is believed in several cultures that if you wear a hat which was created by a magical creature, you will be able to see the hidden realm of ghosts and spooky woo-woos. <laughs> spooky woo-woos? Gret repeated. Is that its official name? That isn't important. The question is... <laughs> Where did you get that hat from? The one you never take off. This old thing. I nicked it off a dead genie. <laughs> in Gret Binchleaf in the adventure of the women getting abducted by crabs. <laughs> Who's Gret Binchleaf? Who's Gret Binchleaf? <laughs> I am... <laughs> said Gret. <laughs> Whose brain didn't work fast enough to come up with a good lie before he ran out of breath and died. Yeah. But I thought your name was Mr. Crispy Pants. I'll let you in on a little secret, Professor Proctor Woo. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to keep it under your hat. And, just to be safe, nail the hat to your head. And set fire to it. Then you can't tell anyone my secret because you've got a burning hat nailed to your head and you're dead. <laughs> Gret lowered his voice. I'm not really a history teacher. I'm a detective working undercover to find out why people at this school are getting decapitated and turning into floating ghost heads that only I can see. How terribly exciting. Perhaps I can help. I could be your Dr. Watson. I've already got a doctor. We have a nice little agreement going. I slip him some cash and he tells me whatever I want to hear. A couple of weeks ago, he told me that hot dogs are a vegetable. <laughs> and I only had to pay him 50 quid. Gret smiled and patted himself on the head. Although he, <laughs> he was wearing his hat, so really he patted himself on the hat. Mm. Have you tried taking your hat off? No, I never take my hat off, said Gret. Not to sleep, not to shower. I even brush my hair with it on. There's two things to know about Gret Binchleaf. One, he never removes his hat. And two... Actually, I may have overreached myself with two, <laughs> said Gret. OK, there's one thing you need to know about me. I never remove my hat, ever. I just thought, if you remove it and you can't see the ghosts anymore, then that will prove that your hat is the key to your ability. Oh yeah, good point, said Gret and took his hat off. <laughs> the floating heads of Tony Legg and Christopher Pantington, which had followed him everywhere for three weeks, instantly vanished. They've gone, Gret exclaimed. Look! <laughs> Gret, <laughs> Gret dropped his enormous hat onto the professor's tiny head. Oh my goodness, she gasped. Floating ghost heads! She pointed at nothing and dribbled. Three floating heads! I don't... Professor Proctorwoo gave her last little whimper of terror, then froze with fear. Like a statue who wouldn't say anything else in this chapter or even be mentioned again. <laughs> Hang on, said Gret. Did you say three, three heads? heads. <laughs> Gret grabbed his hat and placed it on his enormous bonce. There was Tony Legg, sulking because Gret still hadn't done anything to solve his stupid case. Mm. There was Christopher Pantington, banging on that he knew who the murderer was or some crap. <laughs> And there, about a metre away, was a third floating head. Mm. Here, I recognise you, said Gret. Give me a minute. It's coming. It's coming. No, I've totally forgotten. What's your name again? The new head looked a little hurt by this, mm. then opened its wide mouth and said, Grown pinch loaf, sir! <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, hey. um, uh, oh yeah, and how did you die? Did you pig yourself to death? <laughs> did you pig yourself to death or take an overdose of ugly? No, sir, you gave me that bleach to drink. <laughs> you gave me that bleach to drink. Gret made a mental note to stop storing his bleach in that lemonade bottle. <laughs> Dealt with. It was an accident. Anyway, it's not like you swallowed it. You spat it all over my shoes and ran off crying like a weedy weakling, didn't you, Pinchloaf? Yes, sir, said Grant Pinchloaf. I ran to the school treehouse in the south field, and while I was there, someone chopped my head off. <laughs> someone? Did you see who it was? <laughs> no, sir. He was wearing a big black cape and hood. I couldn't see anything. Flippin' heck, Pinchloaf, you're the stupidest wazzock I've ever come across. Remind me to give you an F in your next history test, you useless pile of bum cheese. Mr. Binchleaf, interrupted Christopher Pantington, mm -hmm. I saw what lay under his hood. You what? I've been trying to tell you for three weeks. I know who the murderer is. You saw his face? No, I saw that he didn't have a face. Mm. What, like a gorilla? <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Pantington looked confused. Gorillas have faces, <laughs> Mr. Ridgley. <laughs> really? Do they? said <laughs> Gret, instantly forgetting that bread exists. <laughs> instantly forgetting that bread exists. Yeah. So, who were you murdered by, if not a gorilla? <laughs> a being that has existed in countless cultures since the dawn of human awareness, said the history teacher, histrionically. A being with no face, no heart, no brain and no skin. Nothing more than a skeleton in a cape and hood, chopping people's heads off with a scythe. You were killed by death. In the flesh. Or rather, lack of flesh, since he's just a skeleton. Gret reached into his emergency chip satchel, <laughs> pulled out a handful of emergency chips and crammed them into his mouth. Gret's doctor had recently told him that he had chips deficiency syndrome, and if he allowed his internal chip level to drop below 150 chips, mm. he would die. Hmm. Why would death want to kill people? <laughs> Gret mumbled. Did he say anything to you? No, just sliced me in two, then got back on his horse and rode off. Hang on, said Gret. What's a horse? <laughs> he said something to me, sir, said Grant Pinchloaf. What? What did he say, you floating twit? He said, tell Gret Binchleaf to drop the case and leave the school, or he'll regret it for the rest of his pointless and miserable life. Was Christopher Pantington really killed by death? Or was it another walking skeleton with a scythe? How will Gret eat sandwiches now that he doesn't know what bread is? <laughs> will Professor Proctor Wu snap out of it in time to be in Chapter 4? Or is that the last we'll hear of her? Find out in the next Maleficent chapter of Brett Binchleaf and the Adventure of the Complicated Head. The Continuing Adventures of Brett Binchleaf, the soft-boiled private dick with a crippling fear of pies. The plot so far. 
In Chapter 1 of Gret Benchleaf and the Adventure of the Complicated Head, Gret Benchleaf went undercover at a boys' school at the request of a spooky head which was haunting him. Yes. In the second chapter of Gret Benchleaf and the Adventure of the Complicated Head, <laughs> Gret Benchleaf did nothing and found himself haunted by a second spooky head. Okay. In Chapter 3 of Gret Benchleaf and the Adventure of the Complicated Head, Gret Benchleaf did nothing and found himself haunted by a third spooky head. <laughs> Shortly after Chapter 3 of Gret Benchleaf and the Adventure of the Complicated Head, Rufus and Howard realised that all Gret Benchleaf had done was nothing and then found himself haunted by an additional spooky head and joked that thereafter each chapter should consist of Gret Benchleaf doing nothing and finding himself haunted by another spooky head. What will happen in Chapter 4? Will Gret remember what a horse is? Will yeah. Gret prove death is behind the murders? Or... Will Gret do nothing and find himself haunted by a fourth spooky head? Find out now in Chapter 4, The Adventure of the Fourth Spooky Head. <laughs> Fake out. Not really, it's not called that. Um, it's not disappointed. called that. Yeah, no. No, it, really, it's, it's actually called Chapter 4, The Adventure of the Man Camel. Pope Mordecai Stimberline had the most uncanny-looking head that you've ever seen, with smooth, taut skin and high cheekbones. And despite its black, glassy-eyed stare and the eerie, fixed smile, everybody said that it was the most beautiful head in the world. Because if they said otherwise, he'd cut their head off. And if he ever learned there were a better-looking head somewhere else, he'd have that off too. He'd have it off. <laughs> Fundamentally, his life was all about getting head and having it off. <laughs> I mean, seriously, guy. He was a bona fide head case. Which was maybe ironic, because he also had a case which he kept heads in. <laughs> to save their children's lives, parents, who birthed the prettiest little babies with chubby-wubby cheeks and cutesy-wootsy toes, would use a blade or acid to scar their little ones' fizzogs. Wow. Yeah. Hence, the majority of Stimberline's now grown-up congregation were facially deformed. <laughs> Though occasionally with really nubile toes. <laughs> when the Pope spoke... As he did now, he did not blink once, or twice. He never blinked, is my point. And his lips barely moved. The word amongst the clergy was that Pope Stimberline was a formaldehyde and methanol junkie who had embalmed his own head. The word amongst the choir boys, on the other hand, was ooky spooky face. <laughs> but not only was he unsettling to look at, he was also disturbing to hear, for he spoke with a chilling croak as though someone was squeezing the life out of a toad who suffered from spasmodic dysphonia. I am Stimberline. <laughs> I am appointed by God, said Pope Stimberline uh, yeah. to the unfortunately smoking hot Hottie who knelt before him. The Hottie's parents had opted to keep her hidden rather than disfigure her. This had been a mistake, for he had found her. God does not appreciate common scum such as you. Common scum. Yeah. Okay. Trying to usurp my beauty. <laughs> and with that, Pope Mordecai Stimberline raised his scythe, swung the blade back over his shoulder and screamed, Off with your head! But, for once, and there need only be once, Stimberline had picked on the wrong head. For little Maisie Stringer, from <laughs> Crappleby Lane, e. was so frightfully bonny, that almost every man in the cathedral was head still attached to neck over head. <laughs> try that again. <laughs> every no, no. man. <laughs> Are you sure we shouldn't go with head over head in love? Because, I mean, that, that's amazing. Okay, was head over head 
in love with her. <laughs> Go back to yours. That almost every man in the cathedral was head still attached to neck over heels in love with her. Along with some of the women too. And one dog, probably. <laughs> and suddenly, in that moment, their fear of the Pope and of the wrath of God himself was gone. And as one, like a swarm of ants at a Pope picnic, they covered Stimberline like he were a human-shaped jam sandwich. And hoisting him up from the steeple, they hung him, Pope on a rope, <clears throat> until dead. In time, the history of Pope Stimberline would become largely forgotten. And he would live on only in legend and in nursery rhymes. And in a popular Sunday morning cartoon show used to sell a range of action figures from Mattel. <laughs> the present day. Cool. The floating head of Gret Benchleaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. I know, I know this is a fake out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's a good one, though. Wasn't like all the other floating heads. <laughs> In as much as it, yeah, in as much as it was sat on top of a neck, <laughs> which in turn was on top of a body, which topped some legs and some feet. Excellent. Many would argue that that's not what a floating head is, <laughs> but if you knew how heavy Gret Benchleaf's head was, you'd understand that it is and was and is, because there's no way that even Gret Benchleaf's big old body could support the weight of that ginormous noggin. True. Gret's gaping mouth hole <laughs> sat like the pit of Carcoon. At the centre of his bonds. Carcoon? Yeah. What's that? I don't know that word. It's that It's that um, thing from Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gret's gaping mouth hole sat like the pit of Carcoon at the centre of his bonds and slurped the food from his travel bowl. <laughs> oh, it was a sorrowful looking bowl. The pattern was faded and it had a chip in it. <laughs> but chip is in crack. Not chippers in salt and vinegar. <laughs> now, that joke only works in British English. So here it is again for our American listeners. Oh, it was a sorrowful looking bowl. The pattern was faded and it had a French fry in it. But French fries in crack, not French fries in salt and vinegar. But of course, it did have French fries in it. Yeah. Gret finished eating his French fries and put his bowl away with a heave. And the sound of John Pertwee doing some Venusian Aikido, <laughs> Gret hauled himself to his feet. Hey! <laughs> Gret started walking again in the direction of London. Having never learned to drive, Gret Benchleaf had been forced to walk everywhere since all the bus operators and train pilots and helicopter drivers had lost their licences when their bodies had got chopped off. Right, so a lot more people have died. Mm. Like a lot. Yeah. Or or so or um, the the murderer has just been targeting drivers. <laughs> yeah, mini driver, um, yeah, okay. Adam driver. That's the only two I can think of. Yeah, okay. Okay. As always, the herd of ghost heads were following Grat, as though he was some kind of messiah. Or as he liked to call it, me sire. It'd been exactly forty two days since the mass beheading. That's forty two days without toilet roll, a shower, or a change of clothes. I mean, all these things still existed. <laughs> Gret was just a repulsive, lazy slob. <laughs> Consequently, he was looking a bit of a mess. Seriously, he couldn't have looked messier, or as he liked to call it, messier. <laughs> dairy, dairy me, said Gret Benchleaf. <laughs> I am a messy messiah. <laughs> okay, now it gets weird. <laughs> <laughs> now it gets weird. Okay. <clears throat> Did you speak, oh lord? said a bearded spooky ghost head which floated at his side. 
I was just thinking out loud, said Gret with irritation. You look a little depressed. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you a wee joke here to cheer you up? Asked the ghost head of Billy Connolly. <laughs> Gret used every muscle in his body to shrug indifferently. A head floats into a bar and asks for a pint of Guinness. The bar head points at a sign that reads Heads Only and says, Are you a head? And the head says, Yes, I'm a head. That's okay then, says the bar head and pours him a pint of froth. And the head says to the bar head, Hey, there's no Guinness in this glass, it's just froth. And the bar head, pointing at the sign again, says, That's right. We only serve heads. <laughs> After they'd insisted they were more important than the pleb heads, Gret had allowed the celebrity heads to float at the front of the flock. <laughs> but after 42 days of literal hedonism... <laughs> I mean, literal hedonism is just hedonism. hedonism there is no metaphorical word. <laughs> Was just trying to, yeah, whatever. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. He was beginning to have reservations. In all this time, they'd seen no other signs of life. That is, until now. What the crapping heck balls is that? cried Gret Benchleaf, as he watched a floating saddle, dodging between crashed cars, galloping towards him across the tarmac, braying and neighing. <laughs> a floating saddle! <laughs> A little-known fact about Gret Binchleaf was that if he didn't know what a thing was, <laughs> like a horse, for instance, he couldn't see a thing. <laughs> like a horse, for instance. <laughs> Scientists believe this was why he knew so much about breasts and yet so little about women. <laughs> but as the saddle drew close, Gret realised it had all been a trick of the light. He could see it, and the saddle was attached to something after all. What the crapping heck boss is that? He said again. It looks like a camel, but without boobs. <laughs> it's a horse, said a Geordie spooky ghost head. <laughs> a what? Oh, can you never have heard of a horse before, man? All right, all right spooky ghost head of Jimmy Nail, <laughs> singer of Crocodile Shoes and star of Alfie de saint Pet. Yeah, yeah. Don't get condescending. I've heard of plenty of other things besides horses. Like what? Oh, this and that. <laughs> hey. They shouldn't call it a horse. They should call it a man camel. Yeah. Why? Well, it's like, I'm a man and I don't have boobs. And this camel doesn't have boobs. So it must be a man. You know, and not one of those other things that does have boobs. What are, what are those things called? <laughs> women. Yeah, that's them. Women. Without boobs, they're men, said Gret. <laughs> Proving that not only did he not know what women were, but he didn't know what men were either. <laughs> they uh, knock the first syllable off, piped up a familiar-sounding head. So without boobs, a camel should be called a mel. I'll tell you what, spooky ghost head of Sean Connery, said Gret Binchleaf. You've hit Jimmy Nail on his spooky ghost head. <laughs> uh, now I see why yeah. the plot of this chapter exists. <laughs> I just think it's a shame that it almost a shame that it's um Sean Connery who did that and mm. not MC Hammer. Oh, damn it, yeah, it's good. Oh fuck. But you can't do a, an MC Hammer impression, can you? That's where it would have fallen down. I don't know what he sounds like. Well, just like a regular person, I think. Shit. I'd rewrite I should have rewritten it. You've hit Jimmy Nail on his spooky ghost head. <laughs> Sean Connery looked pleased. 
and Gret attempted to pat him on the head. But even though Sean Connery had the correct equipment for this, i.e. a head, it was an intangible one and Gret's hand passed straight through. So he patted his own instead. <laughs> you know, on the side, of course, since he never takes his hat off. <laughs> Some of the heads at the back would like to look at the horse. <laughs> sure, go for it. <laughs> uh, are you certain, my lord? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Moments later, Gret noticed that some of the heads were chanting and dancing. Here, what are they doing now? They've looked at the horse, and now they're worshipping the horse. They think it's a better messiah than you. <laughs> they just looked at it and went, this one's better. <laughs> yeah, I was, doing it, I was doing it all to get to this next joke, which still doesn't make any sense and isn't funny. But I mean, I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Typical. Give them an inch and they'll run a mile. But give them a bench and they'll run about a foot before collapsing, came a voice from the blue. Gret looked up to see the horse had a rider of ghostly sorts. Towering head and shoulders above Gret, well, towering head above Gret, was a massive spooky head. Well, darn my socks and call me a muffin monster. If it isn't my old friend, fat American detective, Rock Hard Place. <laughs> I'm glad I finally found you, Grit. I've been floating above this horse for weeks now, pretending to ride it, looking for you. <laughs> you, the only corporeal fat detective left. And you know what that means. It means you, the only hope to save humanity from the ghost of Pope Mordecai Stimbeline. <laughs> I, don't, I forgot to write any questions. <laughs> <laughs> Just give, do a line about find out next week, yeah. and we'll just put this in. Okay, well, what will happen next? Find out next week. <laughs> in what? In chapter five of Gret Benchleaf and the Gad Gad and the Gad and the Gad Venture. Of what? Of the complicated head. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Worst Writer in the World. If you love Gret Binchleaf and would like lots more of it, then join the secret gang and get lots of whole books immediately. For example, Gret Binchleaf and the Adventure of the Glow-in-the-Dark Chickens, which sounds a bit like this. Yes! Gret Binchleaf and the Adventure of the Glow-in-the-Dark Chickens is available now from patreon.com forward slash man by cow. Where are your parents? Asked Billy. My dad's gone on holiday, Henrietta explained. I wanted to go with him, but he said no, because I'm too big to fit in the suitcase now. What about your mum? She went to live on a farm a couple of years ago. <laughs> That's what Dad says anyway, but she never comes to visit or telephones. My dog went to live on a farm, and my goldfish. <laughs> Do goldfish live on farms? <laughs> my mum says they live in the fields with the cows and climb the trees. Hey, maybe they don't have phones on farms because Floaty the goldfish never calls me either. <laughs> it was around that time that Henrietta realised that Billy was a thicko. <laughs> Brett spends ten years in the magical storybook land of Underspace and faces many terrifying foes. The Goblin King had done this to send him a message. Now, said Gret Benchleaf grimly, it's personal. Benchleaf! La 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 Ping! What are you doing? Gret Benchleaf looked down in annoyance at the little snub-nosed show-off. I'm doing my theme tune, he said. Theme tune? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I like to do my theme tune after I've said something particularly dramatic. 
You've messed it up now. This is exactly the type of behavior that forced me to send Dick to that farm. But who is the chosen one? Is it Gret or plucky child hero Henrietta? One coming day, the cause unknown, a goblin king will take the throne. And then, when glue has trapped the sun, there shall arrive a chosen one. And he or she will kill the king using a special magic thing. And then probably go back home or something. I don't bleeding know. And the chosen one's name shall be... Find out in Grant Binchley from the Adventure of the Glow-in-the-Dark Chickens. Available now for just $2 from patreon.com forward slash man by cow. You're here to slay the maze at all? Well, supposedly yes, but I had a look at Joseph Campbell's classic story structure earlier and there's a bit in there called The Refusal of the Call to Adventure, so uh, I was thinking of focusing on that. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.